Welcome to the podcast, Let the Prophet Speak. Today we are starting a new book, one of the 12 minor prophets. We continue with Micah. We have completed the study of Jonah earlier in the podcast, so I skipped Jonah and we're starting with Micah now. Micah is Micha, and we're going to start Parak Aleph, the first chapter. Um, let us begin with the first verse. Devar Adonai Asher Hayo El Micha Hamorashti. The word of God that was spoken to Micah the, from the town of Mor, Moreshet, or from the town of Maresha. There is uh, well-known excavations in Israel today of the town of Maresha, which is just south of the modern city of Beit Shemesh. Uh, I'm, we're not 100% sure if that is the same Maresha where Micha came from, but we do know that Maresha was a city in Judah, and the excavations are currently in a city in Judah, and most likely that was the town that Micha was from. And we know that he was a Judean, and he lived, as the verse continues, Bimei Yotam Achazi Chizkiah, in the days of the following three kings, Yotam, Achaz, and Chizkiah, Malchei Yehuda, the kings of Judah. Asher Chazah, and the words of God that he saw, um, he, he saw visions regarding Al-Shomron, the northern kingdom, Yerushalayim, and Jerusalem, which was the capital of the southern kingdom. So his words were directed to both. It only chooses here several issues to point out in the first verse. Number one, these three kings, Yotam, Achazi, Chizkiah, were also the same three kings who were the kings during the uh, times of the prophecies of Isaiah, Yeshayahu, and Hosea, Hosea. So they were all contemporaries. Micha does, uh, does appear in other places in the Bible, namely in the book of Jeremiah. He was mentioned as one of the prophets who prophesied and tried to teach the people to do good. Unfortunately, did not succeed. Um, so we imagine that he would have been a contemporary and uh, of, of Isaiah. The, um, and the other issue in the first uh, verse is that it only lists the kings of the southern kingdom at the time. It completely doesn't bother to list who the kings of the northern kingdom were at the time. Presumably, they were less important to him as he lived in Judah, and also they, they were, as we know, evil kings, so he didn't really bother mentioning them. You would just have to figure out on your own who the kings were based on the time period mentioned. The following are his words. Let's begin with verse Let's continue with verse 2. Shim'u amim kulam. Listen, all the nations. Hakshivi eretz umloa. Listen, listen, the entire world and everything that fills the entire world. Specifically, Micah begins his message directed at all of the nations of the world. And in fact, everything, all of, all of nature, all of humankind, the earth and everything that fills it. Um, we see the same start of Jeremiah was also... Uh, appointed as a prophet to address all of the nations. We see this repeatedly in Isaiah and other places as well. And may the Lord our God be uh, for you, laid as a witness. The God who exists in his heavenly and holy abode. So he refers to God as living in this heavenly, holy abode. Um, 
uh, which is important, as we'll see in a second in the next um, in the next verse. Verse three continues, "Kihine Adonai Yotzei because God is leaving His place, Viorad, and He is coming down, Vidorach, and He is going to trample upon Bamasei Oretz, the high places of the land. The high places is a code name for places of idol worship, uh, and it also refers to the high places, which to God, of course, are not high at all. This language here used, God coming down to punish the earth, reminds me very much of something that Maimonides discusses in his Guide to Perplexed in Part 1, Chapter 10, where he discusses the meaning of the words Yarad to go up and Allah, I mean Yarad to go down and Allah to go up. The Maimonides is dealing with the issue of it sounds like there's an up there and there's a down here and God physically comes down here, which according to Maimonides doesn't make sense in our understanding of God. There is no place that God lives, so to speak. So why, did, uh, so why does we often find that the prophet uses this language of Yorad to come down? I'm going to read a little bit from Maimonides' words in chapter 10 that uh, from uh, the Friedlander translation of the Guide to Perplexed, uh, which is available online uh, with, for free. And I'm going to start from here. The two words, going up and down, are applied to intellectual processes, namely, when we reflect on something beneath ourselves, we are said to go down, and when our attention is raised to a subject above us, we are said to rise. Now, we occupy a lowly position, both in space and rank, in comparison with the heavenly sphere. But the Almighty God is most high not in space, but with respect to ex absolute existence, greatness, and power. So, God being high is not um, this is me paraphrasing now, is not that he's high in space, as Maimonides says, but with respect to everything, he is high. When it pleased God to grant the human being a certain degree of wisdom, so the divine communication made to the prophet is called descending, is God coming down, because God is giving something to someone who is, so to speak, beneath him. And I'm going to skip a little bit and go to the following paragraph. The design of the deity to punish man is also called to descend, to go down. And he brings several examples. Curiously, he does not bring this example from the verse we're reading now, but this would be a very good example, are that the, that the going down conveys the idea that the man here below, and these are the words of Maimonides now, is going to be punished. Um, for man, and these are the words of Maimonides again, is so low and insignificant that his actions would not bring punishment on him were it not for the divine will. And by God paying attention to man and deciding to punish man and hold him responsible, that is in a sense going down. And this is why we find, and now let's go back to the verse, it uses this language here, which is an excellent example of what Maimonides is saying from various other places throughout the Torah. And that is that God is, so to speak, leaving his place, Biorad, and coming down and trampling upon the earth. And let's continue with verse 4, And the great mountains will, will melt before him, and the valleys will 
break open like wax melts before a fire like water that's flowing down cascading down a waterfall this is all happening because of the sins of the people of Jacob and Pesha Yaakov is keyword that means both the northern and the southern kingdoms and by the sins of Beis Yisrael, the house of Yisrael, which is usually a reference to the northern kingdom. Mi Pesha Yaakov, who is the one that's causing the sin of Yaakov, of everyone? Halo Shomron, is it not Shomron, the capital of the northern kingdom? Because, as we see in other places throughout the prophets, the leaders, the, the, the government, they are considered responsible for the behavior of all of the people. As they influence the behavior of all of the people. And who is responsible for the high places and the idol worship that's happening in Judah? Hello, Yushalayim. Is it not their capital, which is in Jerusalem? Verse 6 I will therefore make Shomron, that's the capital of the northern kingdom, I will make it into, like in E, there's various translations of this. Some translate it as, as uh, mounds uh, of dirt, some translate them as open open fields but either way it means they're 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 not being farmed they're just desolate earth desolate fields ready for someone who would want to come and plant a vineyard in other words there's nothing there that's how i'm going to make it i am going to tumble her stones many of the stones of the cities that are built in high places when they're destroyed the stones will tumble down into the valleys and i am going to open up and reveal their foundations by knocking down all the walls all that will be left is just the foundations in the ground the whole and all of her idols yukatu they will all be cut down and smashed and crushed the whole esna and all of her etna now an etnan refers to a gift that someone would give to a prostitute in payment for her services. So it does mean that probably literally here that I will burn because etna neha, these gifts, but it also refers to any, any money or devotion or gift or even anything of person's self that he or she gives to a purpose that's illicit, a purpose that's immoral, a purpose that's bad. So when they build their, their, even their homes, if their homes are instruments of evil, those are an etnan, those are, those are efforts that they're putting into being able to, the, what they get up from it is something that's evil, something that's bad. And all of those things, Yisrufu Ba'esh, will be destroyed and burnt in flame. V'chol atzabeha, and all of her um, idols, all of the things they worship, whether it's money or actual idols or all of the things they think are important, Asim Shimamaha will destroy them. All of them were accomplished by people giving gifts to a, 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 a harlot or gifts to a prostitute. That's how they have all been amassed, all of this wealth. People giving things for uh, illicit and immoral purposes. And I am once again going to make them into payment for a harlot. And that's, uh, this is a reference to all of that will now go to the enemy and give them the whatever benefit they get from these goods that at now that they have taken them from the people of Israel. Alzos on this set now it's the until now it was the prophet paraphrasing God himself, but now Micah goes ahead and Micha goes ahead and talks 
in his own language, for this espida I will I will lament ve'elila and I will cry and wail. Elocha shalol shalol ve'arom. I will go um, naked and stripped of any belongings. Um, if we recall from Isaiah, we also had an episode where he walked, as so to speak, naked, in order to demonstrate that the people will be just stripped of everything, stripped of their their specialness, stripped of their humanity, and they'll just be naked. Esem is spade katanim. I am going to um, make uh, 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 cries sadly like tanim. Tanim have various uh, translations. The medieval translators usually translate tanim as some kind of a serpent or snakes. Uh, modern translators assume that etan, etanim are actually jackals, which we know live in the Middle East and they often... Um, they they do cry like this and they cry at night so jackals is probably a much more accurate translation of this word i will cry like the jackals cry at night and i will mourn kivnosia anol like the ostriches mourn now i'm not sure if this is referring to some sound that the ostriches make i did actually look up and i saw that ostriches do not have the ability to vocalize although male ostriches make some kind of a moaning noise so maybe it's referring to that or maybe uh, it's some other behavior of ostriches but benosia i know we do know refers to that why ki anusha makoteha because her um her makot her wounds are anusha they are impossible to cure kiva'a adihuda because something has come to yehuda naga uh, it, it has uh, it has spread this plague of illness has spread all the way to the gates of my people all the way to their capital Jerusalem this is very very similar language to what we find in in Jeremiah chapter 8 verse 22 who also refers to the wounds as being wounds that cannot heal we find it in Isaiah chapter 1 the same image we find this image of the of the God talking about the destruction and then the prophet crying and wailing and mourning over the destruction these same images we find in those two chapters as well um, which is uh, why we do read the first chapter of Isaiah right before the, the holiday of, of Tisha B'Av, which is about mourning tragedy and mourning the destruction of Jerusalem, which is what we're discussing here in this chapter. And which is also why we read that same chapter of Jeremiah on the day of Tisha B'Av itself in the morning in synagogue. Begat al-Tagidu. Now, Gat is, this is verse 10. Gat is a place which is in the land of the Philistines. So one of the, one of the uh, consequences of the destruction and suffering is the embarrassment and shame of your enemies gloating over your destruction and over your defeat. And the Philistines had been an implacable foe of the people of Judah for hundreds of years. And, and Micha is pointing out that that you know here we are suffering this destruction don't tell those people in God now of course he knew that the people in God the, the Philistines would obviously know exactly what's going on but he's just trying to point it out by saying don't tell them don't tell them because we're so so ashamed of our destruction don't cry it's like it don't cry so loud because they, they might find out that we're suffering so the um um uh, in this place called Beit Li'afra, 
afar hit palashi. I have thrown dust or dust has been thrown over your head. This is the beginning of a series of interesting plays on words where Micha very cleverly uses the Hebrew language and picks towns that have names, which uh, towns in Judah mostly, that have names that he can, he can make this little, almost a little poem out of by calling the town by its name and then saying some kind of destruction that can befall it with, by using its name in, in a slightly different form. So here he says, Bebetli Afra, in this place of Beitli Afra, Afar hit Palashi. I am sending, I, I am going to cover it or it will be covered with dirt. Uh, this is, can only be read in the original language. Without reading it in Hebrew, it, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't make very much uh, sense. Ivri lachem yoshevet shafir. Ivri lachem, this is verse 11. Pass on, pass, or, or, or um, go away, those of you who is um, yoshevet shafir, the people that live in in, in Shafir, Shafir is a language in, in Hebrew, it's a, it's, it's a place name, it's a city name, but it also means, Shafir, it means beautiful. So he's saying, Erya um, Boshet. Now you have, um, you have gone uh, in, in, uh, naked in embarrassment. He's using the language of something beautiful to look at, but now, which is the name of that city, oh, but now you are suffering in an embarrassment and shame of nakedness. Lo yatsa yoshevet sa'anan. Again, he uses the play on word yatsa and sa'anan. So sa'anan is the city. Lo yatsa, those people that are live in sa'anan are not able to go out. They're stuck. Mispad beta eitzel yikach mikem emdaso. The house of eitzel, eitzel which... Uh, we mean the house nearby, right? Or it could mean um, uh, just a place named Beta Eitzel. They they um, now is full of lamentation. He, the enemy, will take from you everything that 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 is that you need to 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 be supported. It could also mean here God will take away from you His support. Kichala, this is verse 12, Kichala Litov Yoshevet Marot. Again, a play on the language here. Because the, the people of Marot, name of a city, but also the, the city name means bitter, bitterness. Chala Litov, they have been desperate for good, but they live in a town called bitterness. Kiyorad Ra Me'et Adonai Lashar Yushalayim. Because the evil has come down from God all the way to the gates of Jerusalem. He continues with these these little uh, plays on words. Ritom in verse thirteen. Ritom hamerkava l'arechesh yoshevet lachish. This is the flip of the words l'arechesh and lachish. Lachish was the second largest city in Judah, a very very large and important city. And he's saying ritom hamerkava hitch the um the 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 um. Uh, the uh, horses to the chariots, Lorechash is the chariots, chariots of war specifically, those of you that live in Lachish, Reshit Chatos Hi Lebatzion, because this is the beginning of the punishment 
of the sins of the daughter of Zion, of the people of Zion. Why? Because among you is found the sinners or the sins of Israel. This is verse 14. Therefore, give a farewell gift to those who of people of Moreshet Gat. That is the give a uh, send or send messengers to the people of Gat. So remember, Moreshet Gat is again a town in um, in. Uh, in 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 the in the lands of the Philistines, so send messengers. The Radak learns that this explains that this means send messengers to them to try to get help, but help is not going to come. But te achziv liachzav, and this is again another play on words. Achziv is a town in Israel, uh, and had the houses of achziv have become like achzav, like an achzav is a spring that has no water. It's like a mirage. You go there thinking you're going to get water, and achzav, it lies to you. There's actually no water. So the, town, the houses of the place of achziv will become like places that give nothing. And this is juxtaposed with moreshet gat, because moreshet, you're going to send messengers to there hoping you'll get some help, but you'll get nothing. Limalchei Yisrael, they will give no, no help to the kings of Israel. Od Hayoresh Avilach Yosheves Moresha. This is the last of those little plays on words. And he saves his own hometown, his hometown of Moresha, he saves for the last pun. It must have been difficult for him to speak about the condemnation of his hometown. And he says, Ad Hayoresh, I'm sorry, Od Hayoresh, the one who will inherit you or dispossess you, um, I'm going to bring upon you. Those of you that live in Moresha, which, if you if you the the root of the word Moresha also means to dis to inherit or, or in this case to dispossess. So those of you that live in Moresha, the Yoresh is going to come to you. Ad Adulam, and all of your wealth, the, the, this destruction will be across the land, all the way to the city of Adulam, which is a city on the far borders. It's a city in Judah, but it's a city on the borders. So he's saying that this destruction is not just at the capital or the central towns, but this destruction will be everywhere, all the way to the border towns. Yavok, Vod Yisrael, all the way to there, all of the glory of Israel, all of the wealth, all of the people will be destroyed. Karchiva Gozi, and this is. Um, the final verse of this very difficult chapter, Karchiva Gozi, shear off your hair, uh, make yourselves bald, Karchi, and, and because you're, uh, uh, this was something they did in those days uh, as a sign of mourning, Albaneta Anugayach, mourn yourself for the, uh, uh, and this, this is, seems to be a, a speaking to the land itself or to Jerusalem itself, saying, Jerusalem, make yourself bald, um, you know, mourn on those children that you used to enjoy, that you used to have a delight in. Make your baldness like the baldness of an eagle, because those children are going to be exiled from you, and these would be words spoken to Jerusalem. I know this was a difficult and, and chapter full of suffering and punishment, but this is how Micha begins. Um, we will find many, many interesting lessons in this book and looking forward to studying chapter 2 and the rest of this book together with you.